Okay, so let's get straight then into our 10.30 conversation. And thank you for those WhatsApp voice notes and um, the messages that you're sending in through to the show. You can continue them on 0614-104107, the uh, phone line 011-714-2006. This feature is brought to you by the Department of Human Settlements. We often take the important things in life for granted, like clean, fresh water running from our taps, a secure and clean environment for our children to play, easy access to transport, schools, shopping malls, and places of worship. In life, it is sometimes the smallest things that matter. Hence we say, where we live is where we leisure and learn. Where we stay is where we play and pray. Department of Human Settlements, building the future today, together. This morning, we're talking about the Social Housing Regulatory Authority. They're an agency of the Department of Human Settlements and were established in 2010 as per the Social Housing Act. And today we're going to find out about the kind of work that they do. Rory Gallagher is the CEO of the Social Housing Regulatory Authority. Rory, Rory uh, good morning and thank you so much for your time. Good morning, Cassie. Thank you very much. Let's talk about what you do at the Social Housing Regulatory Authority. I was telling the listeners earlier that um, if I if I didn't have to do this interview, I actually wouldn't even know about the existence of the authority. Yes, we often hear that it's um, putting us under pressure to um, become better known um, amongst the citizens because it is one of Minister Lindiwe Sisulu's six national um, human settlement agencies. Um, I'm sure you've heard of agencies like NHBOC mm. and HTA and so on. So the Social Housing Regulatory Authority, which is the one, the agency that I'm representing, its job is to promote the delivery of affordable rental housing in the country. Its job is to make sure that these units get developed and that these units get well managed and that these units get maintained and that the tenants in these units are um, enjoying an improved quality of life in good locations. In other words, the social housing program is an affordable rental housing program where the projects are specifically located in areas that help the residents. So they're not in far-flung areas. They are in good locations that are close to what people need uh, to, the, to live their lives. So mm. we're a regulatory authority. We administer a grant that National Treasury gives to the Human Settlements Department, and they give it to us to spend to build these projects, like the one that we launched uh, in Kenton Park on Sunday. We develop those units through delivery agents, and then we regulate those units to keep everyone happy. That's what we do. Mm. 
let's talk about some of the projects that you have undertaken. I hear the example of um, the the East Rand that you've launched recently, but uh, maybe just to give our senses, uh, our listeners, a sense of the kind of work that you have been um, involved with. Um, what are the projects that maybe we might be aware of that uh, you have been responsible for? There are many, many projects. The 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 um, the one that was launched on Sunday in Kempton Park mm. is called Kempton Village, and it's but one of the most recent developments. But also in Ikuruleni, there are others. So very close to Carnival City, there's a huge development called uh, Carnival Gardens, and we go right up deep into the East Rand. We have um, uh, the Madison Loft, which is under construction as a brownfield development in in Springs. If you go north all the way to uh, Tswane, we have a project launched recently by the minister together with our chairperson called Little Manhattan. If you go out of the province of Gauteng all the way to the Western Cape, where the old Conradi Hospital used to be, we are currently under development uh, building a project called Conradi Gardens. Uh, in the Western Cape, we're about to break ground on in on near the Salt River Market on a site which is called uh, uh, Pine Road. We um, are under under construction in many many places. If you go mm. to Port Elizabeth, Cosmo Gardens has recently been uh, com- completed, which is in PE. Um, so and and very close to completion also in the inner city of. Um, of Port Elizabeth, right, right in the declining inner city, we've we've got uh, the Steve uh, Beco, Steve Steve Beco Mumford development in the inner city. Mm. Um, several, you know, it, it it crosses all the provinces, including, by the way, recently uh, in the Northern Cape. Polokwane is under construction as well um, in Harena, uh, uh, an area called Harena. Harena Phase 2, Polokwane is under construction. So, in fact, Kathy, it's across the length and breadth of the country there. If you look at what's currently there, we've already spent $4.5 on these units. Um, we've got contracts signed for 32,500 units. Um, the contract value, in fact, that we've signed that's, that's already awarded um, is over $7 billion. And the, the size of the portfolio in the country um, mm. of units similar to the Kenton Park units that's already under management and that we already regulate is close to uh, 40,200 units. So it's a huge government-sponsored program. I pro- should probably make this clear is that the landlord, the owner of the units, is not government. So we, we as government... Um, fund applicants, uh, delivery agents, either social housing institutions or private private um, rental housing companies. We give them a grant, not a 100% grant, mind you. We give them uh, 272,000 rand per unit uh, towards the construction of the unit. And then they, they, they borrow the balance, which is about another 150,000 rand per unit from, from the banks to develop the units. 
So effectively, does this mean, given how highly subsidized the construction of these units are, does it mean that even the kind of rent that people pay uh, at these units is much more affordable? Much, much more affordable. That's that's exactly the design of the program. So um, in other countries, perhaps countries that, you know, with a, a, a higher or a stronger tax base. Um, other countries, I think of European and North American, like Canadian experiences, they can pay a contribution towards monthly rental. In the Republic of South Africa, we don't do that. We, we, we reduce the amount uh, that the social housing landlord has got to borrow from the banks that they have to pay back. We reduce that by injecting a grant. And the effect of injecting the grant means that the social housing landlord can offer the unit at a discounted price to the tenant. So, for example, the project that was launched on um, on Sunday, um, the highest rental for the highest income earner uh, in that project is 4,884 rand per month. That's for the highest rental. There's, we've got uh, five different uh, categories of rental. Mm-hmm. So the most expensive rental is 4,884 rand. In an area where most rentals range in that area between 5,000 and 7,500. But a lot of the other units in that project uh, there are units for 3,325 rand per month. There are units for 2,112 rand a month. And then there's even a unit uh, for the lowest income earners of, of, of 1,215 rand mm-hmm. a month. Now, in that area, you can't get a unit of this type for that price. So you're quite right. Um, the effect of the grant from government means that the social housing landlord needs to borrow less expensive money, interest-bearing money, and by, by, by being able to borrow less, they can offer the unit at a cheaper price. That's How where government you, adds the value. Sure. How do you monitor what is being implemented? Because when you talk about housing, especially that is affordable, the demand for that is quite high. How do you yeah. ensure that rental companies, in fact, stick to um, their part of, of, of the deal? We have a department, uh, we call them programs, but don't worry about the terminology. We have a department inside the SHRA, the Social Housing Regulatory Authority, and uh, it's our compliance department. Mm. Our compliance department um, has contact with all accredited social housing landlords around the country, and... um, those social housing landlords, because we're a regulator, are required by law to report on a quarterly basis to the SHRA on all of those kinds of things, on how many units are vacant, how much they're charging for each unit, um, what the turnover rate of people moving out and moving in is, what the rental increase was at the last rent increase, what the cost-to-income ratio is, all of this data is then collected by our compliance department. And our compliance department then analyzes that data and formulates a report once every three months that goes 
all the way up the line, all the way to the Shah Council, uh, which is our board of directors. Mm. And if there are any red flags where a social housing landlord, for whatever reason, is not doing a good job, then we issue what's called a compliance notice and we call them to a meeting. We discuss the problem with the social housing landlord and we attend, we, we, uh, we try to fix the problem. All right. Let me go to our phone lines on zero double one seven one four two double zero six. I'm in conversation with Rory Gallagher. He's the CEO of the Social Housing Regulatory Authority. Mohammed Ishmael in Durban. Good morning. Yes. Uh, good morning, ma'am. How are you this morning? I'm well, thank you. Okay, you speak to Mohammed Ishmael. I'm from Newlands, Durban. Mm-hmm. Uh, a political patient, and I had come and came out from two strokes. For 12 years, we've been waiting for I've been waiting for RDP House, and there was no. We've been running. I'm running from councillor to councillor. There's a third councillor I'm running to, and what's actually happening is it only promises you are getting priority, priority, priority. Now I'm actually using my grant, my grant money, which is thankful to the government. I'm getting a grant. I'm paying my uh, uh, grant for the social uh, for a shack that here, backyard shack with the toilet outside and whatever and suffering the consequences. But the point is, for 12 years, another election is coming up now. Mm. And what do I do? Go back and restart and start all over again. There's so many other projects that came about. And every time you approach a counselor, they give you a, they give you a situation where I think they are actually set to say this, that, you know what, we're giving you a priority, come back again. We're giving you a priority, come back again. And they say, no, we've given your, your details to the, to the housing department, but nothing has been done about it. And we're going on and on and on in the same situation and moving from one shack to another shack, one shack to another shack. Mm-hmm. And you must know my wife had to go and sell on the street, sell cosmetics on the street, just to provide that food. Now, where do we go from here? Sure. Rory, I, I don't know if you're able to, to assist Mohammed there. I'm not able to assist Mohammed, but I do understand what Mohammed is describing. And it is uh, an experience that unfortunately um, a lot of South Africans have to endure. And um, it has its roots in the following. The the country, and I've often mentioned this, the country can afford or historically has been able to afford to budget approximately 30, just above 30. So, mm. so it, it got to the highest point, it got to 34 billion one year. But it, it's floating back down again because of our economic troubles and COVID-19. But let's just round it off and say about 30 billion rand is invested in human settlements and trying to assist South Africans to obtain adequate shelter and adequate housing, 30 billion rand a year. The demand um, and the housing shortage, I mean, we all know the growth in informal settlements. Um, to, To get rid of that entire housing backlog will cost more than 30 billion rand a year. So there is a gap. There is a shortfall. And so people like Mohammed um, are frustrated because um, the RDP house, or what we call a BNG house now, mm. has not reached him yet. And part of the dilemma that we have, or that government has, is that it's very difficult to, to stretch the 30 billion to reach everybody as quickly as citizens would like that to happen. 
So the result is that there's a kind of four-pronged strategy that is being driven by, not by the Shah, but by our shareholder department. Rory, Rory, we're Hello? going to have to continue after this. Um, no I've got a quick break that I need to take, and um, I'll allow you to, to finish your question after this. No right. problem. Okay, I believe that they've been able to defer that a little bit uh, for me. <laughs> so, so thankfully, you can go on, Rory. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no problem. Look, all I'm wrapping up on that particular question anyway, because I think my colleagues in the, in the department are better equipped to answer it than me. But the national um, government is is driving a four prong strategy, and only one of the four prongs is, or one of the four pillars is is uh, is actually social housing, which is rental accommodation. But other prongs include the settlement upgrade uh, and the title deed program. And, um, you know, um, obviously, in Mohammed's case, I think what would be called for if he's been waiting that long, he's probably got what's called the C-form, is to try to link him with the relevant official at provincial level that can attend to him. You know, either he's on a waiting list for an existing project that's under development or he's not, and that can be checked. Yeah, you see, the, the problem, of course, is that um, he's been waiting 12 years. So, yes. so so, where would you advise him to go? What what can he do? And, um, of course, Mohammed follows after Ivy, who we just spoke to, who says she's been waiting for a house um, since 1996. No, it's true. And, unfortunately, um, it is it is also true that that we we that's why there's such a strong emphasis on the informal settlement upgrade program uh, because of the gap the the difference in, in in the pace of the demand for shelter compared to the availability of resources to provide shelter so we need to spread the budget broader and one of the ways to do that is to focus a lot more money on the infrastructure on basic services and on informal settlements upgrading. But, um, Kathy, the, the thing is this, is that I'm sure on your program, my colleagues who are responsible for this, uh, you know, the informal settlements upgrading program and the BNG program and so on, that they should rather answer those questions. And let me stick to what I'm here for, which is the social housing program. All right. Okay. Um, Mohammed, unfortunately, uh, you're not going to necessarily get a, an answer that you, you may be fully satisfied with today. But yeah, um, hopefully when we speak to the other um, elements in the department, it, they'll be able to provide clarity um, in terms of what somebody in your position can do. Let me go to Nwadu in Polokwane. Good morning. Hi, Kevin. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you, sir. Good, good. I'm the first-time caller anyway. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Great to have you on. It's a okay. pleasure to have you on. Go ahead. Go. There okay. we go. <laughs> go ahead, Matu. Okay. I just have one question for our visitor. Mm. Mm, regarding the, 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 the social housing, mm. uh, we have one here in Pulukwani, and he's mentioned uh, something related to the low-income earners. Mm. And the people who are seems to be staying there, is, I just want to know, is there anything they make sure that they are really low-income? And of course, I see flashy cars in Harina, in Pulukwani, jeeps and high, very big cars that are producing the same thing. Mm. Mm. 
They are very big people out there. They, 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 I don't seem, they don't seem to be like very low-income earners. Oh, and is there anything that they are doing to make sure that the people who are staying there are low-income earners? That's such a good question, Mwatu. Rory? Yes, it is a good question. And uh, the Harena project that is being referred to um, um, and that is occupied um, is not a good story. I'm talking about the Harena Phase 1 that is Mm. already occupied and has been occupied for quite some time. And so this is an opportunity for me to, to say this, is that the rent collection in that particular project is very, very low. So the the Harena Phase 1 project, um, okay. a lot of the residents in that project are not complying with the law and paying their rental. As a result, the Polakwane Housing Association, which is the social housing institution responsible, has suffered terrible financial problems because of the non-recovery of rental. Now, this is a a problem that we as a society need to deal with because as the caller is pointing out, on the one hand, people are freeloading because they're not paying their rent, some of them. And on the other hand, they do have the income to pay the rent, but it sounds from the caller that some of those residents are using the income instead of paying for the essential thing, which is to pay the rent, are using that money for for luxurious expenditure, which is not fair to the rest of society because we have, uh, government has put money into that project. In phase two, which is under construction, we must keep a very careful check on that and make sure that the system works properly and that uh, once we have funded phase two, because it's still under construction, that tenants who benefit and take occupation actually pay their rental. We do have a problem in our country where um, some of our fellow citizens um, like to play unfair and withhold rental um, for selfish reasons. So your caller, uh, we are aware of this problem. It's It's an unfortunate problem. We're very disappointed ourselves. All right, let me go to Temba. Temba Buteleze, good morning. Morning, how are you? I'm well, thank you, sir. Yes. Kathy, uh, I just want to report something strictly on said because I think you've got a uh, right person there for us. I'm calling from uh, Proteat Lane, extension 11. Okay, Proteat Lane. We, we've got, we've got, we've got a, a project here of the social development houses, which are low-cost houses, which was started on the 2014-64 units. Kathy, that project has been abandoned. It has uh, turned up to be a place where the children are getting raped. It, it's a mess. And uh, last week, I heard one of the person who was crying very, very, very attachly. And you promised us that now you're going to just update us about it. He's the very same person that was terrified in that project. Mm. The taxpayers' money was invested in that project. Mm. Until yes. today, it's more than seven years. Mm. That project is standing still. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a low-costing housing. Yeah. I would ask Rory, please let him get through. As we are a community, there is no door that we didn't knock at a social development, at a human settlement, to say, guys, please help help this man. We've got this problem here because these people from GPS 
that we even went to GPS, mm-hmm. Cowtown Partnership and Funds, to knock there to say, your structure is causing trouble in our local, the taxpayers' money is not coming mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. So until today, everything is standing still. We even went to the Premier's office to make them aware two years ago. Mm-hmm. It's standing still. Our money, now the government is saying it doesn't have money, but they take money and they throw it there for seven years. That thing is standing still, that thing. Oh. How does we deal with such kind of things like this? Because now, if they go to general uh, auditor general, they report to say this is that, there is that. Mm. But how do they report such kind of things to the auditor general, where they're robbing people, don't pay them? On the other side, uh, the buildings are standing still for seven years, but the money of the bond, bond money, was was paid out. Temba, thank you so much for this call. And and we are still following up on um, Johan's call with uh, the, and, and his housing project with the GPF that he has not been paid for. Uh, Rory, do you want to respond very briefly for me? Uh, I'll have to go to the 11 o'clock news update soon. Yes, please. Um, the Protea Glen Extension 11 is not a social housing funded project, but I hear there that it may be a GPF funded project. And if uh, the caller could send us more information on it so that we can investigate it. Um, I'm going to give you an email address. It's info, I-N-F-O, at SHRA, S-H-R-A, dot org, dot Z-A, because it's not a SHRA-funded social housing project. But Protea Glen is a very important area in Johannesburg and in Soweto, and there are, there's a lot of investment that has gone in there. And if there's something gone wrong, we can have a look and try to speak to our stakeholders and our colleagues to try to um, make things go better. All right. Okay, Rory. Uh, Thanks for that. Uh, We'll certainly uh, ensure that Temba passes on more details to you and we'll share the case of Johan, who was on the show last week, uh, who was involved in actually building part of that infrastructure. Maybe you can also help in terms of expediting exactly what has gone on in that case. Rory Gallagher is the CEO of the Social Housing Regulatory Authority, and this feature was brought to you by the Department of Human Settlements.